0: Welcome back for another edition of the KSL Campus Report Podcast, KSL TV Campus Report Podcast, KSL.com Campus Report Podcast, KSL,
1: KSL, where's it going to go with KSL? What about KSL Sports.com?
0: KSL Sports.com Campus Report Podcast, I like it. That, I am your host, Sean Walker, first of all, and that wonderful voice of God there is... Uh,
1: I wouldn't say wonderful.
0: Incoming, incoming BYU quarterback for this week's uh, game on the road at number six Wisconsin. That's
1: news to me, Mr.
0: Zach Hicken, not oh, Zach Wilson. Okay, sorry okay. guys,
1: sorry. Phew, he kind of scared me for a second there. I mean, <laughs> I haven't, I don't remember the last time I threw a football in a live game.
0: I bet you could throw a football over them there mountains though.
1: Uh, yeah. If I was standing on the like summit of the mountain like maybe five yards back i could throw it over the other side yeah
0: that's fair that's fair that's fair um no zach thanks for joining me here on the podcast though
1: thank you for dragging me up here literally
0: dragging <laughs> up the stairs um oh you've only got like three or four bruises on yeah hopefully, so hopefully kslhr is let me
1: let me paint you an image uh let's go to the office my favorite tv show ever
0: Greatest TV show of all time, some would say.
1: Uh, Stairmageddon. When (laughs) Stanley, uh, when the elevators are being repaired and Stanley is not too happy about it and he won't go down the stairs, so they put a horse tranquilizer on him or a bull tranquilizer. Either way, Sean used the exact same technique, dragged me up here, woke me up, sprayed a little uh, Diet Dr. Pepper in my face.
0: And he's currently duct taped to the chair, so he cannot leave.
1: Yes. Well, not that I'd be able to leave either, because I think I might have a broken leg, but...
0: It's not broken. It's only sprained. It's It's not broken. It's only sprained. It's fine.
1: I don't know. I think it bent the same way as Taysom's did in 2014.
0: Oh, too soon. Too soon. It's been four years. We're good. Too soon. Uh, Speaking of Taysom Hill, he's going to be starting this Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time at Number 6 Wisconsin.
1: Oh, no. he hasn't we found another year of eligibility for no, him. No, that's that's oh, okay. not true at all. That's breaking news. Yeah, I keep I Maybe. keep getting
0: BYU fans' hopes up a little bit. Uh as far as we know though, Tanner Mangum is going to be the guy. BYU Wisconsin, sixth ranked team in the country, Camp Randall Stadium, Jump Around, uh, national television broadcast, ABC. That's fun.
1: It's embarrassing. Yeah,
0: that's uh that's the thing. Remember the last time BYU played on ABC? Uh I wasn't in the Wisconsin game last year. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's at least one good football team on a national broadcaster outlet, so that's fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyone who wants to watch Wisconsin do really well, I mean, is going to be looking forward to that. So.
0: So let's let's start let's start right there, Uh, Zachary Higgin. Who's going to who's BYU going to line up at quarterback? Against the Badgers.
1: It's Tanner Mangum. You're not going to roll out a freshman for his first college action against Wisconsin. Anyone who thinks so, I'm sorry, but you're That's an idiot. Rough. That's you're rough. an idiot.
0: It's rough. Yeah.
1: And there's not another way to put it. You're an idiot. If you honestly think that this coaching staff is going to roll out Zach Wilson to start against the Badgers, go and get your brain checked, dudes and dudettes, because it's not going to happen. So I mean the the reason the reason
0: for this, I'm just gonna call it a fake controversy. I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull a President Trump. I'm gonna call it fake news, fake controversy. Um, Is because a lot of BYU fans weren't very happy with how BYU's offense, and they're putting a lot of that on Tanner Mangum, with how BYU's offense ran in that 21 to 18 loss to Cal. Right. Uh. So Tanner Tanner Mangum throws two picks. BYU's offense. Effectively I don't put those stalls. two picks on him, though. Right, right. But BYU's offense effectively stalls through mm-hmm. almost the entire second half. Yeah. Until the final two minutes of the game. Um, and now, I guess the in vogue thing to do in Provo is as soon as a quarterback struggles, you call for his head. Right. And I guess that's part of the job. But it just seems like a really, really quick turnaround to go from Tanner Mangum's back, look what he did against Arizona, to Tanner Mangum needs to be benched, what he did against Cal wasn't good
1: enough. So, Sean, we've talked about this off the air, but we're going to talk about it again, just frankly, so we we're can get it out to more. Record. Yeah, we're going to put it on the we're record. We're
0: going to put it on the record.
1: For as badly as BYU played, there are three plays away, BYU's three plays away from winning that game. Yeah, 100%. And, or less. And none of them have to do with Tanner Mangum. Yep. None of those three plays have to do with Tanner Mangum because uh, the first one, I think, uh, the first play that I'm going to uh, kind of point to is the fourth and one in the first quarter. Uh, I think it's BYU's first drive. Bo Hodge comes into the game, and he runs to the near the short side of the field um, mm-hmm. on a pitch and is stopped short of the line of scrimmage. Um, that would have been a 52 yard field goal. We haven't seen it happen yet in a game, but it's supposedly reportedly, uh, within Skylar Southam's range. It was within his range, at least at at Wasatch high school, just up the road. Um, but let's say BYU plays it safe and kicks that field goal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, BYU, um, final score is now instead of 18, 21, it's 21, 21. BYU had all the momentum going into, uh, uh, overtime. Uh, they definitely would have had a chance to win That's in fair. overtime. That's fair. Um. Also, uh, I'm gonna point to I believe it was the fourth quarter. Uh, BYU's marching after. Um. Well, they're moving the ball after Diane Gon- Diane Gonwalaku uh forced a well he recovered a, a muffed punt. Um, and one
0: of several Diane Gonwallaku highlights from the yeah season.
1: yeah he he was a stud on Saturday night. He recovers the punt. BYU's moving the ball, and uh, they set up a third. Uh, it's like third and five. Pass to 11hifo but there's pass interference called on Moroni Laulupututau. Ball's taken back 15 yards. It's like third and 20 now. Um, and so Tanner Mangum has to force the ball downfield, because he's trying to make something happen. He turns the ball over, and BYU leaves points on the board there. They could have Easily sustain that drive because um, it would have been about third and three uh, if that pass interference doesn't happen. They could have called a run, uh, a quick screen out to a, a tight end, something. you know. That, that would call completely changed the game. It completely yeah. changed the game. Yep. Um, but even if they just kick a field goal there instead of Tanner um, forcing the ball downfield, which he had to in that situation, and I, I still put that on Moroni. That's a mistake from Moroni that carries over to the next play because Tanner feels that he has to... For something because he's not getting support from his uh, receiving core, his tight ends, um, his running back, which he didn't get a lot of support. He had five drop balls. Okay. Five drop balls. That's not great. And that's only the ones that count. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a lot of criticism going towards Tanner Mangum for uh, his guys dropping balls, but, or for not, for having a low per- completion percentage. But Jeff Grimes said it yesterday. If those five balls get caught, Tanner. Um, Tanner Tanner Tanner's completing 66% of his passes, he completed 64% at Arizona. That's the difference in the game. If Tanner's completing 66% of his passes, if Dylan Cawley catches the ball, if uh, 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 Micah Simon doesn't drop two or three balls, it's a completely different ball game. And I think that um, uh, there's going to be some changes in the lineup, not at quarterback, but we're going to see some other players getting more playing time that we might not have seen before in the la- in the first two games uh, getting some opportunities to go in and uh, uh, make some plays because they've earned it so far through their play on the field.
0: Right, and, and maybe more importantly, there are some players who haven't stepped up in quite the way uh, you would want them to, yeah. frankly, through the first two games of the season. And I think that's... I think that's what Jeff Grimes was getting at the other day in practice. Let's take a listen to him as he talks about a couple of those mistakes that cost BYU so dearly against Cal, and kind of how they change that going forward.
1: Wait, so he wasn't talking about Tanner Mangum when he said he was reevaluating oh, positions? Weird, I know. Oh, weird, okay, right? okay. Weird.
2: And we've gotta we've gotta make the opportunities when they're when they're given to us, we've gotta make those plays, you know. We we can't have a guy open and miss him on a on a potential touchdown or even a big play and we can't we can't have a drop ball in, in position to make a big play. And what what goes unnoticed often is we can't have a third and five and have a good play called and a guy drop the pass. And you know, Tanner was uh, 54% completion percentage in this game. In the first game, he was 64%, but we had five drops in this game. If we had completed those, he'd have been 66%. And that makes all the difference in the world because you throw a completion on third and five on the 20-yard line, now it's first and, uh, 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 first and 10 in the red zone, and you got a, an opportunity to go score.
1: All right, so you heard it from the horse's mouth right there. I'm not just pulling quotes out of my butt. No, that
0: was he just, actually that's said what it. Jeff Grimes said. Yeah,
1: Jeff Grimes literally said it. So I'm not you know what, twisting you know his I words.
0: Love, you know what I love about that soundbite? What's that? How Grimes was so quick to remember exactly what his starting quarterback's line was and exactly how that translates into completion percentage, doing the math really quickly in his head. Like, that was all just off the top of his head.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I don't think he, like, they had he knew, any conversations with was, yeah. wide receivers or in the offensive meeting rooms or even looking at it right, you know. Live during the game. I don't think he was keeping track of that at all.
0: Yeah, but, but I don't think knows...
1: that's something that's keeping him up at night either.
0: <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not at all. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but it shows you. But I th- but I think it shows you. Just you know, he knows what he's talking about. He knows yeah. what the problem is. Like all the fans that are yelling at you, Twitter. Yes, I'm talking to you, Twitter. All the all the fans who were yelling at this coaching staff, going, "Oh, their offense is so awful. BYU's back. Blah blah blah. They don't know what they're doing." Well, no, guys, they know exactly what's going on. Like, trust me, they they get paid a lot more money than either Zach and I. I can say that for sure. Probably the most of people who were screaming at. Twitter. I don't
1: know if the old staff got paid more than we do, but no, no. I but think this, this, new, this one new staff does. This yeah. new one
0: definitely. Yeah. does. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I just. I think they know what they're doing. I think they know what's going on. Can they fix it? That'll be the challenge this week at Wisconsin.
1: Well, that's that's their job, and that's what they're supposed to do. Not only are they supposed to know what's going on, they have to be able to fix it. And um, yeah, I just I feel like this whole quarterback controversy thing is just something that's been made up and it's per- been perpetuated by fans, and because uh, you it's, know it's very fall campion. because people are acknowledging it. You know, whether uh, like media people or bloggers or you know, whatever or try or acknowledging this in some way, it's making it a bigger deal than it is because I don't think. I mean, yeah, Jeff Grimes came out and said that they reevaluate after each game, but you need to do that after a win and a loss. Like in re in all reality, you need to reevaluate because if you're not trying to find a way to get better every single game, you're not finding a way to improve.
0: Yeah, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards.
1: Exactly, and I mean. Alabama's doing the exact same thing. Look at what Alabama did last year, okay? In the national championship game, they realized that they had a freshman quarterback who probably gave them a better chance. They they did a a reevaluation of Jalen Hurts and decided that Tua was going to be a better move for them going forward. And, you know, it's paid off. This guy's probably a Heisman frontrunner this year. And it's not like Jalen Hurts was some scrub. He's a good player. He's a great quarterback. Yeah. I mean... I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a cliche out. He'd be he'd be a starter anywhere else in the country.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. That was really <laughs> bad. That was really really bad. I'm sorry.
1: I have nothing to say yeah. about that. No, I'm really sorry. But yeah, I I think that um, do we want to move on to kind of breaking down Wisconsin or are we still gonna? Well, here's here's
0: we'll, we'll end it on this one because Kay. this BYU staff moved on really quickly. Yesterday after practice, it was the final day that the uh, coaches and players were available to the media, uh, Wednesday. Offensive day, Tanner Mangum gets up to face the music, answer questions from the press, etc., etc. Three different times I counted, he was asked about his job and how he did against Cal and whether or not he feels sort of threatened with his job, I guess, in three different ways. Each time, he kind of sidestepped the question. Um, But... He the Just question. like he
1: sidestepped Arizona's rush on the first game of the Ooh. season.
0: Ooh, well done. Well done.
1: Didn't take any sacks.
0: Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, he sidesteps it, and he, he goes, we're moving on to Wisconsin. And I think that's kind of what you have to do, and I think that's probably what's been in, drilled into him by this new offensive coaching staff, namely because of what Jeff Grimes said uh, when asked very a very similar question.
2: WE REVIEW THE FILM ON MONDAY, AND THEN I TELL THEM THAT'S OVER. AND SO I SAID, WHEN PEOPLE ASK YOU ABOUT THE ARIZONA GAME, you say, I don't know, we're getting ready for Cal. And when they ask you about Cal, you say, I don't know what you're talking about. We're getting ready for Wisconsin. And I think that's really the way you have to be as a player and as a coach. We don't have time to feel bad for ourselves that we didn't play as well as we could have. And the week before, we didn't have time to feel great about ourselves because we felt like we played okay and won a game. And uh, maybe we lost a little something there by, by thinking about that win against Arizona a little bit too long. And so... Our, our entire approach since Monday has been that game's over and, and we're totally focused on this one.
0: Win or lose, I think you've got to move on to the next week. I um, think so too. I think BYU didn't do a very good job of handling that win at Arizona. I think Jeff Grimes pretty much said it right there. Yeah. No, well, you know, you've got to learn how to lose and also learn how to win in order to be a successful football team.
1: Well, one of the biggest stories coming out of that game was that uh, – Moroni Laulu-Pututau in the postgame press conference said that the game was lost on Wednesday in BYU's lack of preparation. So BYU and, that, and prepare well. Guess what? And that's carried over all the way until Wednesday. I've heard that question asked to every coach that was available, every um every player that was available. It it was it became a hot topic and it was kind of 50-50 on what people felt. Um I, I feel that Kalani uh didn't really address the question when it was presented to him Um, but Jeff Grimes definitely when he was asked he said yeah you know what we didn't practice the way that we should have they need to have a lot of urgency BYU needs to have a lot of urgency just based on what happened last year because there was a lack of urgency and a lack of um, I'm not sure what uh, motivation motivation, um, accountability accountability is what I was going for um, because there was just a lack of accountability. Uh, yeah, this team struggled last year, and they continue to struggle. I mean, losing to UMass at home. First off, going two and four at Lavelle Edwards Stadium is is a piss poor effort. That's
0: not good. That's not good. losing
1: to teams like UMass at home.
0: That's even worse.
1: Is absolutely is an absolute joke. This
0: this team is not good enough where they can just go out and out talent other teams. No, no. And uh, they can't they can't out athlete most teams. They need to have a good week of practice, be well prepared, um, and out scheme pretty much anyone they can beat. They did that against Arizona. They didn't do that against Cal. Yeah. Um some would say they got out coached, maybe. I think it's more than just the coaches. I think coaching, that coaching part is more than just the coaches. It's also the execution of the game plan and that sort of thing. So it's it's also on the players. Um but they need to have kind of that whole that whole package. They didn't have that against Cal. Maybe they can have a little bit more of that against the sixth ranked team of the country in Wisconsin. Which, Zach, is really, really good. Really good. And by the way, do you know who you know who's especially really good? Uh Jonathan Taylor. Wisconsin star star rusher, tailback. He's only a sophomore. He's the nation's leading rusher. Um averages let me get the exact number here. Uh, averages 199 <laughs> yards through the first two games of the season, including last Saturday's career-high 253 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. Against New Mexico. Uh, he's also tied for the national lead with five rushing touchdowns. Wow. So he's really good. Uh, you know who knows who he's really good? BYU defensive quarter coordinator Elisa Tuyaki.
3: No, he, he's a good back. Their scheme's really good. But um, I think they've got nine nine O O-linemen returning back from, from what they had before, guys that have either started or have significant playing time. And so their, their O-line doesn't get as much credit. The back's really good. I mean, no doubt about that. The back's good. But the O-line is really, really good as well. The tight ends are good too. Quarterbacks that a good too. <laughs> <laughs> the receivers are good too. <laughs> <Entire> <laughs> offense. Yeah. The receiver back. Yeah. What's that? They're getting the receiver back. And it's been Yeah, yeah, yep, that's right. That's if right. And so back. they've, I mean, they, they've got, they've got a good scheme. They got good players, and obviously, it's a, it's a, a, a program that you know, a program that's got prestige and everybody knows about them, and, and they do a really good job.
0: The running backs really good. But you know what? The offensive line might be better. Their yeah. quarterback's pretty good too. Uh their receivers are really good and they just got more dangerous this week. Um even defensively, they're hard-nosed, they're physical, they know how to stuff the run. Um this is just a really good football team.
1: Yeah, it's uh I think it's down Excuse me, it's hands down by far the best team that BYU's going to face on its schedule this year. Um I mean, no offense
0: Utah, but yeah.
1: No, I wouldn't even put Utah. Well, Utah's probably third, but
0: the the Utes probably might barely rank in the top five until they get their offense figured out. Yeah, which I think they will. To be fair, I think they will. We'll we'll talk about them in a second, but
1: um, yeah, I think Wisconsin's really, really, really good. Uh, I mean, just the physicality that these guys have. Um, a lot of people were impressed with BYU's physicality in game one against Arizona. Uh, and that completely went away in game two. Um, I think Cal's a good physical team, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I was really impressed with Cal's defense. But if BYU is struggling against Cal, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a wake-up call Saturday in uh, Camp Randall Stadium.
0: And and I think I think the big key here is BYU needs to find a way to match that physicality, um, specifically up front. And we talked to Tristan Maybe Hodge. deer antler
1: spray? Ooh,
0: there we go! Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Could That's BYU good. maybe ship in like some alumni that like have like played professionally? Well, I guess there haven't really been any that have played on the offensive line recently.
0: Um, DeAndre Wesley, where um, are you at? DeAndre? DeAndre, DeAndre, you there?
1: Anybody? Riker Matthews from the CFL.
0: Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think I think BYU specifically BYU's offensive line needs to find a way to at least match or come close to matching that same physicality that Wisconsin's going to play with. Um and we know it's there. Tristan Hodge told us yesterday that it's there somewhere. They just didn't do a very good job of showing it against Cal. No. They did a better job of showing it against Arizona. Yep. They need to try to get back to that level, push some guys around. Um oh, you know, open up some holes. What even even if you're not opening up giant holes for Squally Canada Canada and Lopini Katoa, to run through. Um, just just push some guys, move some guys, get after dudes.
1: So my question is if that's gonna translate to maybe seeing an offensive line rotation for the first time this season through the first two games. They really only played they've six only played five guys. They've only yeah. played five guys. Yeah. Not a single backup rotation guy has come in and played yet, um on the offensive side of the ball. Now they've gotten snaps on special teams. Part of that is injuries too. Mm-hmm. Guys
0: like Louis Lapuahu is the uh, backup at, at right tackle. He's He hasn't been 100% up to this point. Um, I've heard he's getting really close, though. Maybe you see him a little bit more.
1: Kiefer Longson, maybe. Jacob yeah. Jimenez.
0: Tiana Saliapaga mm-hmm. had a much—a a former defensive tackle, had a well-publicized move to the offensive line in fall camp. Maybe that XDT physicality is a little bit of what they need.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they just need a wake-up call, and uh, I think it's going to start in practice this week. And, I mean, obviously we're to the point where uh, they're done with practicing, the hard practices for the week, and now they're kind of playing the mental game and uh, doing the final finishing touches for uh, the game on Saturday. But um, I hope that there was a sense of urgency in their practices this week and um, that the message that Tristan Hodge relayed to the team uh, was something that he – um, was something that the team took to heart because four nine was miserable for people who covered the team. Um, it was yeah, miserable sure. for fans of the team, and I'm sure it was even more miserable for those players on the team in the locker room who had to deal with that on a day in day out basis. And they didn't really get a break from it for, during the off season. You know, like it's something that's in the back of their mind.
0: It was a storyline all through spring ball. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um. Final talking point. Then we'll move on. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll move on to the Utes. Prediction time. Does BYU stand any chance this Saturday at Camp Randall?
1: Uh, I'm shaking my head vigorously, Sean. So hard he yawned through it. It was. It was. Yeah. It was so. I'm yawning through the game because it's going to be a thirty-eight to six beat down. That's what I predicted. Um, pretty close to what happened last year. I think last year was forty-one to six.
0: Uh, Forty-two yeah, to six. Yeah.
1: Um, so I think that, yeah, BYU's three points better this year.
0: That's fair. Um, I think they're a little bit better still. I don't expect Wisconsin to really run up this score very much either. I'm not, I, I don't think I see a BYU win. I'm not going to call the upset here. Uh, but I think BYU is a little bit better. I think last week was a bit of a wake-up call, especially in the trenches. They can maybe hold down a little bit of pressure, maybe run a little bit on uh, on this Wisconsin front. I think Squally Canada gets back into the end zone, um, but I still like Wisconsin to win fairly comfortably, probably double them up, uh, 28 to 14. I think it's a pretty low score. Wow! 90.
1: Wow! Yeah. So you don't think That's that right. Alex Hornibrook is going to complete 17 of 19 passes again this year, whatever that 18 crazy 19. Num- 18 of 19? Yeah, whatever that. Well, we know what that crazy number was, but yeah, that crazy number that he completed last yeah, year
0: set, set a program record for completion percentage. Uh, I don't know if he's quite that good. He might complete that many, but there'll probably be shorter passes as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a blowout by any means, but I do think that Wisconsin wins comfortably. And kind of like that Cal loss, it's a bigger win than the final score will indicate, too.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I think, to what was it, 2015 or 2014, the last time BOE played at Camp Randall? <coughs> Excuse me. Where... I think the final score was something like twenty four to like fourteen, something that indicated it was close, but it was just like an absolute beat down, and mm-hmm. like BYU stood no chance. Time throughout the of game. possession
0: was like ridiculously lopsided. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I I could definitely see it playing out that way, but I could also see uh, Jonathan Taylor just running all over BYU's defense. So. JTT,
0: Jonathan Taylor, tailback. Um. Good. Good. Uh. So that's uh that's BYU Wisconsin. We'll see what happens Saturday afternoon on ABC, uh, the other, other worldwide leader in sports. When we come back after this break, uh, we'll talk about the Utes with a big game of their own, hosting number 10, Wisconsin.
1: Are we going to hear from one of our sponsors?
0: And moving up on the hill, uh, where Zach Hicken is going to make resonance this Saturday night?
1: Unfortunately not. We're sending uh, one Jay Dortz back.
0: That's an okay second stringer, I guess.
1: Uh, I think I'm the third string behind Jay and uh, maybe Matt. I, I don't know. know. Does Matt work on Saturday night? Pre-
0: I'd put Jay Dortz back pretty high in that rotation.
1: Yeah, that's He's, what I just said. Jay's like, uh, you know, if if we got a five-man pitching rotation... Uh, you know, Jay's our ace. We're going to put Matt out for a solid number two. Uh, Hema is our, you know, our third guy. Um, fair, fair. I'm, I'm, and then when we got to pull somebody up from AAA, that's Sean Walker. That's where Zach Hicken well, that's from. actually Sean Walker. Oh, that's fair. That's and fair. then, uh, Zach Hicken is the, uh, young struggling rookie, uh, that just kind of goes out and does his thing and, uh, makes more mistakes than not, maybe, but, maybe.
0: But everybody's a rookie sometimes, and you know what? It's all good because at the end of the day, even rookies get uh, get classic sound bites.
3: Nice leather pants.
0: So it's all good. Um But uh, this Saturday, up on the hill, eight p.m. rice Stadium. Who, who are the Utes facing? Utah hosting number 10 Washington. Oh, wow. In a game that uh, really quietly, Zach Hicken, I think has become one of the better games played annually in the Pac-12 since the Utes joined the conference about six or seven years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, since uh, Washington's in the Pac-12 North, it's not they take a well, year sure. off every once in a while. but uh, Nearly annually. I put up there with uh, the Utah-USC rivalry because it, it's actually... You know, Utah USC's gone both ways. Sure. Um sure. there's been seasons ruined on by both teams.
0: Sure yes, very true.
1: For both teams. And it's also not quite
0: but, the rivalry, which is USC UCLA mm-hmm. and Utah's main rival, Colorado.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That those guys. Yeah, um Yeah, one hundred percent But yeah, Washington. Uh no, I, I think that, you know, it's it's kind of like a sneakily good game. Um, I like what Chris Peterson's doing. Uh, up in Seattle with the Huskies. Um, I mean, Chris Peterson's a really hard guy to not like in college football. Yeah, um, really hard. With, with as much going wrong with college football as there is, um, I feel like Chris Peterson runs things pretty well within his programs, and that's something you got to respect. Yeah, 100%. Um, and he's gotten the best of the Utes, what is it, the last two years? Yeah, but barely. Barely. So, according to TheAthletic.com, Christian
0: Capel covers the Huskies for The Athletic up there. In the four years, five years since Pete took over in Seattle? Five years? It's been four. Four years. Utah and USC are the only two teams in the Pac-12 that the Huskies have not beaten by more than two touchdowns. Wow. I believe it is. So... Well, yes, the Utes haven't necessarily broken through against Washington all too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've got something like, like four wins all time or something like that uh, in, in their series against them. This is a game that's always really close. Yeah, it is. And even when one side is struggling more than the other, for some reason, this game tends to be really, really close, which could be a really good thing Saturday night if you're Utah coming in as the decided underdog mm-hmm. against the number 10 team in the country. Um if if they can if Utah can keep it close up on the hill, maybe that home field advantage is good enough for a little uh little something something upset action. I think so. Maybe. I think so. Maybe. Um Kyle Whittingham talked uh let's go let's go to the experts. Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach, he knows the Huskies about as well as anybody, I think at this point. Um and uh here's kind of what he had to say about them just by way of introduction. During his uh, weekly press conference this past Monday,
3: Washington very much deserving of their top ten ranking. They're as complete a football team as there is in the country, in my opinion. Uh, they, they've got talent at every spot. Um, you know, tough road loss. Well, it wasn't a road loss, neutral site, whatever the case was for uh, in the opening week against Auburn. Auburn's a terrific football team as well, and they slugged it out toe to toe with those guys. And uh, came up short, but then bounced back last week and got a uh, fairly easy win. And, uh, you know, it should be a great environment on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, looking forward to you a know, great crowd. It'll be a blackout game, uh, you know, late kickoff, 8 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we'll be ready. We, our guys will be ready and juiced up, and, and uh, we'll see what we can do. So.
1: so I hope that these guys are ready because it's going to be a dogfight.
0: Was that a Huskies reference?
1: Uh, not purposefully. No, good, I, I like it. It's I gonna like be it. it's gonna be an absolute dogfight. Um, I think it's gonna be a defensive battle. Um,
0: Ooh, defensive battle. Yeah. Well, One Jake Browning, the best quarterback in the conference, might have something to say about that.
1: I think Utah's defense is good enough to kind of shut that team down. I 100% believe that. I think Full Utah. Prediction. I like it. I think Utah has the best defense in the Pac-12.
0: Um, that's fair. I mean, I think they're up there. I think they're definitely very much up there. I think this is, I, I do agree with you to the extent that I think that, that this Saturday will be Washington's biggest defensive test in conference play. Um, I think the only one that's even close is when, when they, uh, when they play Stanford in, uh, North divisional play.
1: hmm
0: Um, but I, I think that's kind of a 1A and 1B situation. Well,
1: I also don't think that. You know, they're not going to play in an environment like um, Rice-Eccles for a lot of these games. Stanford definitely doesn't provide that environment. That Rice-Eccles altitude. You know, Autzen uh, isn't the same since, uh, you know, uh, Chip Kelly left a few years ago. yeah, it's not. Oregon State. What is Oregon State? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, there's just not – there's not really a lot of – I mean – Outside of Washington, there's not really – Washington and Stanford, there's not a lot of competition going on in the Pac-12 North this year. And so um, I think that these fans are going to be excited. I mean, it's the annual blackout game. Yep. Um, it's the game where, uh, you know, the, the hounds kind of come out, and um, you just never know what can happen. Under the Moon and Rice Eccles and a late-night kick. It's Pac-12 after dark. I mean, we could see something crazy like Chase Hansen scores like four touchdowns. I, It's not out of the realm of possibilities, you know? They might line him up a quarterback for a snap or two.
0: Brandon Covey it, has two touchdowns, but he only has t- 10 receiving yards because both of his touchdowns are on punt return?
1: Yeah, yeah, just something crazy like that. Like, yeah. it's, it's the Pac-12 after dark. Um, It's going to be a big game. Um, I do think that it's going to be a, lo- a low-scoring game. I don't think that... You know Chase Hansen's really going to score five touchdowns. Uh, I think yeah, probably not. I mean, personally, I'm I I picked the score eighteen seventeen for uh, the Huskies.
0: Uh yeah, I I think that's probably pretty fair. I think there might be a little bit more offense. I think this is actually the week, ironically, that Utah maybe figures out some of its. Offensive they need to. Lows.
1: Utah needs to figure out their yeah. offense this week, otherwise, it's going to be a rough ride throughout the yeah. rest of the Pac-12 conference 100%. play.
0: I, I think I think their coaches have been drilling into the players enough this week where they realize now they've got to get it done. I think they put a couple extra points on the board, um, but I still like Washington barely, barely 26-21. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to a great game there. Looking forward to another great game in Camp Randall. Hopefully, maybe uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good college football being played this weekend. And you know what, Zach? That's all we can really ask.
1: It's all we can ask. That's thank you, College Football Gods.
0: Thank you to the College Football Gods. Thank you to Zachary Hicken, KSL Sports producer, for joining me on this week's Which episode of the Campus Aspect
1: Report. of KSL Sportsman with k- radio, digital. KSL
0: Sports.com. Mm, TV. Sure. Uh, thank you once again to Zach. Uh, yeah, watch college football this Saturday. We'll have more next week here on the KSL Campus Report podcast.